This is Lekka. I'm Lucy Dearlove. Well, what's really nice about life is like all these things that you go through, they might frustrate you or they might anger you, and you think, oh, it's a bit of shit. But to be able to put that into a, into a book has been like amazing. When we're thinking about personal food writing, what happens at the place where it intersects with historical writing or political writing? And what about permission? Who is granted permission to write whatever they want? Melissa Thompson is a food writer I've admired for years now, and her book Motherland came out last month. It's a book of recipes for Jamaican food, some that Melissa grew up eating with her family, some that she's learned from the community around her in London from people like Maureen Tyne, who cooks incredible food from her house in Brixton, and some that she's eaten on trips to Jamaica as an adult. Motherland is also a book about the history of Jamaica, and Melissa weaves this so elegantly with her own story in a way that it makes it impossible for us to ignore the violent history of colonialism and how it's to do with all of us in Britain. As you'll hear us talk about, Melissa uses the physical walls of the Drax estate in Dorset, where she grew up, to demonstrate how ingrained Britain's colonial legacy is in the very fabric of our lives here and how it's mostly been buried. I also asked Melissa how she approaches writing down recipes which are very personal to her in a format which can be comprehensible and replicable by anyone who buys her book or reads her writing. Is anything lost or compromised in this process of translation? I went round to record with Melissa at her house on one of those freakishly hot summer heatwave days we had this year, where, unbelievably, she deserves a medal for this. She cooked me lunch. So what are you making? So I'm making uh, pepper prawns and just some, yeah, some grilled corn. Oh, but I might, take, I might do grilled corn and then make it into a salad. Oh, lovely. Just like with a bit of... Um, Chard. Yeah, like with a bit of red onion. Nice. And stuff. I'm just thinking anything that's cold, but actually hot. that's yeah. not hot. Yeah, I might do that actually. Is this from the book? Um, the prawns are, yeah, like pepper shrimp. Um, it's like a sort of classic. They are quite, do you like heat? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to like, you know, you know when you're like, you get really cocky about it. Yes. And as a white person, I'm always like, <laughs> yeah, I can handle it. And then I always, um, yeah. It's a classic, isn't it? You're like, um, yeah, of course. Because I do like, oh, like heat, actually. but obviously there's a relativity. Yes, there, exactly. Like. Yeah, it's like how hot exactly. And that's the, the hardest thing to quantify. I'm yes. Just, um, yeah, you just never know what someone else's tolerance is going to be. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Shall I do some, I'll do some planting. Great. Yeah? Yeah, love planting. So my book is called Motherland, and it is about, it's a, it's a cookbook, a Jamaican cookbook that... Um, also details the history of Jamaica to kind of put the uh, food within the context of Jamaica's history. And it's quite cool because it's a book that I was looking for for a long time. I kept on ordering books, wanting it to be this. Oh, right. um, and, and it didn't exist. And like the closest is Provisions by the Russo sisters in, oh, in America. Oh, Okay, cool. Um, I've got it down there. You can have a look have at it a look, if you want. Yeah, yeah obviously the kind of the, the African-American experience is so much different. Although they're, they're actually they're kind of African-American Caribbean, like Jamaican, um, which is something else. But they kind of talk about more about their family and their, their kind of grandmother. I mean, it's an amazing book. And so to be able to 
write this. Like it, the whole thing has been a bit of a dream because I think my agent got in touch with me on the back of my BBC Good Food column. And then I had met a publisher at a supper club and she was like, oh, you know, like what's, what's exciting in the world of food at the moment? And I think I said to her, oh, like, I was like, think about it. And I was like, oh my God, Rangoon Sisters. And she was like, yeah, we know about them already. And obviously their book, their book then came out. And then I was thinking about it. And then and we kind of like ended up following each other on Instagram. And a while, a while later, I emailed her about someone else who I thought would be good um, to write a book. But at this point, you weren't putting yourself forward. No, this no. It's very I, classic you, I feel like. Well, I, I just like, it, it wasn't like, really? I, feel, I just feel like your my impression that I have from you is just that you are so, um, you are like the most supportive person. Like you are always lifting other people up. Like, so that feels very characteristic from what I know about you to meet an editor and be like, you should publish all these other people's books. Like, <laughs> I actually really want to write one. <laughs> well, yeah, like, well, she was like, well, have you? She was like, yeah, thanks for that. Have you thought about doing it? And I was like, oh, well, oh, I was like, okay. <laughs> actually. And had you, had you thought about it? Um, I had ideas. I, I had ideas and... Um, but I just didn't think I didn't think I was there yet, and it's what what like this is why this whole process has been so interesting because you have, in a way, it's almost frustrating because obviously the way that everything happens sequentially, like you get a column, you know, and then you get approached, you know, and then you end up getting commissioned, and obviously, like I could have written this book, you know, three years ago, yeah, like before before I got I got the column and everything. In a way, that's quite frustrating because, you, and that's why you know you say about like lifting other people up, and and for me, it's almost like it's, I think it's born out of frustration because it's like there are all these amazing people and a lot of kind of like white people, you know, I mean, like, like I'll, I'll just be like straight. A lot of white people get access to publishing mm. easily, and it's not to say that they're not good, but obviously they can and they can write about it whatever they want in terms like with yes. whatever food they want yeah. whether it's related to their own culture or not whereas for black people and brown people it's been a lot harder yeah. and people I think from east and southeast asia I mean like I think some of the most exciting like southeast asian restaurants right now are the head chef is a white person yeah. or it's yeah. been founded yeah. by a white person and so so now that I'm kind of in the system it's like oh right that's how it works because I don't I I, I didn't know I mean, I've been a journalist for like what almost 15 years or something but I still don't know how I, I didn't know how it works I think I said before, like I wrote, like it's hard to know, um, it's hard to know uh, like how to dance if you don't know the moves or something. I can't remember how I uh, phrased yeah. it, but it's like, and, and it's almost like it's quite secretive and then actually you get in it and it's like, all oh, right, this is how it works. So that's why I'm just like everyone. So I've, I've been trying to get quite a few people that I know and just try to get them, whether it's connecting them with my agent or just like trying to like plant the seed, like you can write a book and you should be the person writing a book about this cuisine because yeah. you know it and you're good at it. And so, yes, that's where that comes from. Even now, I don't know, the industry is maybe broadening a little bit in terms of what gets commissioned. And But I think you're still so right about, um, like, white people can write about anything. Yes. And I think there's also a sense of, like, oh, we've got one of those already when it comes to, like, specific cuisines. And there's, like, less of an understanding of, like, what different people's perspectives can bring. Yes. Like, you know, for yes. example, yeah, your book is about the history of Jamaica, but it's about the history of Jamaica from your perspective. Yes, yes. Which is why, you know, you could easily have another book about the history of Jamaica yes. from someone else's yeah. perspective. And well, that look, would at also be great. look at Riaz's exactly. book. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, um, yeah, West Winds. Yes. Like, also, like, completely different books. Um, great to have them both. Like they both have space for both of them. The yeah, there's space for both of them. Both, yeah. both of them, and there are space. There's space for plenty more yeah. as well. And this is the. Um, I don't know. I, I think things are getting are getting better, and it's exciting speaking to people who are you know doing amazing things. There, there are a few cookbooks that are kind of due to come out, which I'm really excited for, and I hope it's just the beginning. And I think yeah, I think what you say about it being a um, 
uh, like this is just my perspective. Obviously, my perspective of growing up in, in the UK and, you know, what Jamaican food means to me, how I cook Jamaican food. And, and I guess, you know, the further away it gets from, it gets from Jamaica, then it's always going to be like, I guess, an interpretation of it. I think that's really beautiful. I think a lot of people now view the like the food culture. They, they almost don't realise that we're part of a, like a continuum, and and this is part of the evolution of food, which is going to happen forever. Rather than this is an endpoint, and so I think it's quite exciting. It just needs to be done, I think, with respect, really. Totally, and I think it's also about understanding that. Um, like there isn't a definitive, there isn't necessarily a definitive history of any one particular thing. Like yes. it's always written from someone's perspective. Yes, yes. Whether or not we know who that person is, yes. if that makes sense. Yes. Like no history is entirely objective. Yes. But like you know, just for example, there's a bit in your book where you write about seeing the wall of is it the Drax estate? Yes. In Dorset, yes. which is where you grew up. Yes. And then later coming to understand that that wall was the wall of an estate that belonged to a slave owning family. Yes. And like what, which is still a very powerful family today. Yes. And for me, like that was just so, like you don't hear those details at yeah, all. Like okay. we don't talk about how the actual like physical architecture and the political system of this country is linked to the enslavement of yes. African people. Like yes. we just don't talk about that yeah. like, in and that it's way. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. Well, this is it. I mean, like, and, and obviously that realisation, because when, when I was um, working on the local paper in Dorset, and it was, I think it was like the, it must have been the, it was it 250 years or 200 years since the um, uh, mm -hmm. sort of abolishment of, of slavery. And at the time, I remember trying to, uh, like, I don't think it was public knowledge that the Drax family were linked to slavery. Right. And so I was trying to find out, because I did quite a lot about it. And then I think that came to pass a bit later, after I'd left there. And I remember, like, he got... Um, I'm not sure if Rich Drax had been made the MP of, of um, South Dorset at the time, but I remember him walking into the Echo offices, and I was with the receptionists, and they, they were really uh, cool women. They're really funny. And they were sort of a bit older. And he walked, he walks in, and then he kind of... I think he went to a meeting or something, and they were like, oh, he's such a silver fox, like this. And, um, but I was just like... I mean, obviously, like, he's not... Like, it wasn't him... But it's kind of the whole thing is a bit is 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 quite icky. I mean, he's never kind yeah. of really. I mean, what do you do? What do I want? I don't want him to say sorry for it. But I think it will be quite nice to have some sort of acknowledgement or some yeah. sort of distancing. A lot of people are like, oh, but that was back in the day, and it's like. You yeah, know, but they're still re. They are still when you, benefiting. Yeah, from they're still hugely. benefiting from that system. Like you can't deny that. No, like, it's a it's a physical fact. Yes. that their wealth comes from that system. Yes, 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 and and where, and where you know like there is no kind of um, uh, like inherited inherited wealth like for you know my parents yeah. were were yeah. really skinned. I mean they kind of like pushed themselves up and now they're doing all right. And I guess. You know, like, uh, I think I'm at the stage, hopefully, where my daughter will have some sort of... But it's still, like, we're but almost starting start from scratch. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, though. It was quite nice to be able to... Like, all of these things... But what's really nice about life is, like, all these things that you go through, they might frustrate you or they might anger you. And, you know, it's a bit of shit. But to be able to put that into a into a book has been, like, amazing. Or, like, talking about Christopher Columbus, my dad just getting really annoyed any time someone mentioned his name. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Dad... I've been able to put that in a book and he's like, yeah, he's just quite, he's, yeah, he's quite, he's quite happy with that. Because obviously it is, you know, it is a book that is, um, has this like sort of universe, like almost universal history that is relevant to anyone really, because it's, 
a history that we all should know about. And then it is also a very personal book. So I guess, like, where did you choose to kind of draw those boundaries? Like, was there stuff that you chose not to include? Like, how did you, like, how did you choose what to include from the history? Well, this is why it was so hard. Because yeah. um, it, was, it was so much information. And, and the research, I, I love the research, because there were a lot of things that I kind of knew almost by hearsay. And yeah. then to go and find them, like, in kind of the, like, contemporaneous text was mind-blowing. It was, it was like, oh, my God, it's like striking gold. And then I had to, I had to like, you know, collate all that information and then put it into, put it into an essay. And, so, and, so, and, and also, I mean, talking about, you know, who gets to write the history, it was, you know, like, what is it? It's the, 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 the victors that get to... Um, yeah. I'll put this anato in, but it's, it's almost, like, gone... Um, Oh, is that what that smell is? It's yes. Like, it almost smells like Sichuan peppercorns. Yeah, yeah. It's um. It's got like a, like a very fragrant. Yes. It's um. It's sort of the oil went red and then now I think because we've been talking so long. It's lost its colour. I've, I've, yeah, I've, I've not seen that before. I don't know. Like even as a as a writer and as as a journalist, it's like it was it was just the hardest thing I've ever I've ever had to write because it was, it was. A series of essays yeah but then they also that, that have to stand alone but then also sort of interplay with each other yeah and so I, th I think I just you know I, I, I like after you know when you're when you're a writer you get quite good at sort of like having to be brutal to get something done to a word count <laughs> and so then it was just a case of like as I reread it like you know however many, many millions of times I, I read those words like is this adding anything to the story not, not is it adding like like because everything in my opinion added something but it was like what can I take out you know, like, again, sorry, I started saying that about who gets to write the history. A lot of it, you know, the, the indigenous Jamaicans didn't have a written language. Yeah. And so, and, you know, there are a few artefacts. I mean, bizarrely, in the Horniman, they've got, um, but I'm not sure where it is, but it's a Taino thing for extracting the juice from cassava, oh um, greater cassava for the, for the, for the, for the Bami. I've got Bami, by the way. Um, oh, great. We were going to have fried fish, uh, fried fish escovish, but then I couldn't go to the fishmonger. Oh great! I've never had bami before. So oh right, okay, yeah. okay. So I wouldn't normally serve it with this, but it'd be quite okay, nice. Great. So it's just soaking in um, in coconut milk. Cool. But these are I bought them back from Jamaica. Oh and, my um, god! Amazing. Uh, I went to go and see bami. Like, did you see in the in the book the bit about the bami? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I've got one more left. And look, <laughs> there's a little fly from, <laughs> from Jamaica. Come all the way. I know. I was like, oh god. <laughs> Extra bit of protein. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It's like Jurassic Park or something. Like less extracting DNA and. Uh, and see what we can do. Yeah, better not let it defrost and then uh, <laughs> come back to life, <laughs> just in case. Why did you call it motherland? Well, I, I went to call it fatherland at first. Huh, okay. And then, um, and then Kate was like, oh, and it was a working title. And I, I went to call it fatherland. And Kate was like, that's a bit weird. Wouldn't you just call it motherland? I was like, okay, go motherland. And then afterwards, um, like months later, and I was like, oh yeah, no, because fatherland, because that's where my dad's from. And she was like, oh, right. Oh. But I hadn't explained it at the time. And, um, right, okay, but, yeah, that makes But also, sense. I, think motherland, I think motherland as well, because it's like, it's, it's the motherland, do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, um, it's, I, I think, like this idea of, of like giving life, but that like, oh, I don't know, because I, I think, especially with Jamaica's history, it's kind of, it, it was so, like a lot of it's so violent, so mm -hmm. brutal. But I, I don't know, like I think motherland almost sounds quite optimistic. And, okay, um, yeah, and, and like kind of like life, 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 like life giving really. And, you know, I think despite everything, people survived, like people survived what, what, what the Europeans were doing to them. And I think it's like a, tri it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a triumph. Yeah, that makes sense. I wondered if it was a nod to, because when 
Britain colonised Jamaica, they, call, they called itself its motherland, right? It was known as the motherland, and that was really fucked up. Mm, mm, <laughs> so mm. I did also feel like that's kind of an interesting little ironic nod. That, and, and that kind of ties into what you're saying, that, like, survival through that, like, despite being given this, like, inappropriate mother. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's mad. And then people came here thinking that the people were going yeah, like, right. to be there, like, greeting them with open arms. And, um, yeah, which is kind of the most horrible, almost the, not the most horrible thing about it all, but just such another horrible detail. Yes, that, yes. About the, how they were misled over that. Yeah, and people just like spitting at them in the street and stuff yeah, like that. And, Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, I wish I could have had that conversation with my grandparents. Whether they would have told me, I don't know. But um, Yeah, yeah. About what, about what it was really like. I'm so glad I got to write, I, I got to write this book. Like, I'm so, I, I still find it kind of a bit mad that I got to write it, but I'm so glad that I did because just what I've learned and, um, and, and, you know, a lot of these things that you kind of take for, you know, you sort of, not that I've taken for granted, but things that I've sort of thought, thought oh, maybe, you know, like, I, I think that to have a bit of authority about something is, like, it is, is just quite nice. A lot of things that I thought were the case and be able to actually, well, uh, yeah, they were the case and I've got the evidence. I mean, the whole narrative around indigenous people in the yeah. Americas and, you know, I grew up, thinking it was just all because of um, like diseases that people didn't have immunity to. And while that was true, like, I mean, the Spanish were horrific. Like, yeah. they were well, so bloodthirsty. I'd never heard that either. It's I didn't awful. know that. And, yeah. and like, there's so many... And, 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 and I mean, because you were asking about, like, what to include, what to put in. I, I could have kept on, like, kept on going um, <coughs> with examples of what they did. But I had to just kind of, like, stop it, you know, yeah. because it's just like... It, it, it's just, it, it's, it's a bit much. And, and, and this is where, you know, I like to have another book about, I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I guess I'm, I'm not sure whether anyone is going to want to include any, any more of that into, into a cookery book, but to be able to, like, any more of the history, I, I, you know, like, because it's kind of, I, I, mean, I guess there will be other elements that people will, that people will maybe want to focus on. And I think sometimes less is more, right? Yeah. Because, because also I don't want people to become desensitised to it. So it's just like, sure. right, here's like, here's, I, I hope this is enough. Take it. And, um, you know, because otherwise I think it just becomes a bit, uh, yeah, like it's just, and, and actually, ultimately this is a cookbook. Yeah. A cookbook with a, with, with a history and, um, yeah. Did you always know you wanted it to have that much history in it? Was that very much part of the pitch? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And um, yeah, like that, that was really important to me. I'm sorry, this is taking, I, I always do this. Do you but know what? I'm... This always happens when I record with people cooking. It just ends up completely derailing the process. So <laughs> it's entirely my responsibility. Okay, I'm good, sorry. good. It's because it's me trying to multitask, which is just my... It, yeah, it's, it's you trying to answer like quite in-depth questions while also making a recipe. <laughs> um, so we've got, the, we've got the corn in the pan now, though. Yeah, so the corn's sizzling. I'm just going like, to try and get a bit of colour to that and then, um, and then take the kernels off. And then I'm about to like devein these, these prawns. Okay, great. Um, and they're beautiful big prawns. Yeah, they're all right, aren't they? Yeah. They have come from the supermarket, unfortunately. Oh, throw them out. <laughs> <laughs> Something that really struck me when I was reading the book was that it feels like, um, and please correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong, but it feels like there's a very strong oral tradition in yes. Jamaican food. Yes. How do you go about making that translation? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you asked me this because I think it's um, it's 
it's quite an important thing. Like, there's a lot of talk at the moment with um, recipes, especially I think sort of recipes from like in terms like from across the Caribbean, I think across Africa, across sou South, or in fact across all of Asia. Yeah. I think about how like you know trying to get recipes from from typically your, your mum or your grandma because it's, it's usually the women, right? Yeah. And um, and this idea of of people being like. Oh, you know, you do a handful of this, and and or like you know, and a pinch of this, and it's like, but what's a handful? Like my hands are different size, and it's like, and and it's almost framed in this like with with this frustration. But actually, I think it's the most beautiful thing because it's it's that connection to that person, and 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 also it it makes cooking like an intuitive process rather than kind of a prescriptive pro process, and you know, and I guess we lose that. No, yeah, and and like over over time, and as kind of yeah, generations, I guess get, I don't know, there's like kind of less of this like the family unit that yeah. sort of spans generations. Well, and so I think actually the the kind of the the oral tradition is is really lovely, and and it's like when my when my grandma taught me how to make the curry chicken recipe, she didn't use any 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 things, and it was just like you just put this like you know you like you sort of sprinkle a curry powder, and you just you can tell. That it's right. I mean, when I was doing my pop up and I was doing like I was doing like a lot of karage chicken, like I never wrote the recipe. I could just right. smell it and know when it was. You know, and I I dread think how many like you know like tons of chicken thighs when it like I, I cooked <laughs> over the years, and I could just smell when it was right when the, the combination was right. And I think using like I was saying about Maureen down in Brixton, like she doesn't like none of her recipes are are, are written down. And really? It's just, yeah, and, and you know she's cooking for service and she's also cooking for like catering and stuff and yeah. none of her recipes none of her recipes are written down because it's never been part of her thing to write it down like she just knows she can tell she can that by the look of it by the smell of it yeah and I think you kind of lose that it's like with with like, like writing a jerk recipe down so in the jerk recipe and like if you have pimento let me see if I've got some mm. well I'm just looking for I've got I, I oh, bought is this back. your spice cupboard? Yes, yeah. I, I bought <laughs> back. Um, oh wow, yes. Oh, very organised. It's very organised. Yeah. It? I got a, I got a label maker for Christmas. Oh, great! It's like the best thing I've ever <laughs> I've ever received. So these pimento berries are from the, the smell has kind of like lessened a bit. I've got more. In, oh wow, in no, anything. yeah, that's oh wow. And, and but then if you smell this, and I think this is from this country. I, I that's for a recipe. Oh yeah, and, and the smells completely different. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, it's all spice because people are like, oh. So I bought back so much from Jamaica, and the car just stunk of cloves. Because and that's like that's why it's all spice, right? And 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 because it's like a what cloves, nutmeg, nutmeg, and cinnamon. Like there are so many different jerk recipes out there, but then I and, and some of them call for like cinnamon and nutmeg. And I like I don't know this for, for certain, but I almost think that maybe that was because um, if you had pimento that was that had been you know sitting on a supermarket shelf for a long time, it loses those, those other notes. Yeah. And so yeah. people make it up. So what I've yeah. said in the cookbook I'm like smell your pimento and if, if you can smell clove and everything in, in it then just have the pimento berries but otherwise add add like clove and nutmeg and, and, and cinnamon to, to your you know to your jerk marinade I mean it's still going to taste delicious like however people do it but it, it, it's this thing where it's quite difficult to to put something down for definite and, and it's just the hope that people will use it as a start off point and um, and adjust it because I mean recipes would have been adjusted for, forever. Of course, I really like so it's like a separate little note to the recipe um, that you're talking about in the jerk recipe where you write about the using the different spices if you need to. And I just really like how that almost gives 
it's, it's almost like asking the reader or the cook to take a bit of control, which I think yeah, is I like so. you might lose, in a sense, like you don't have that much control when you're reading a recipe or you're cooking a recipe that someone else has written. But it's almost like you're giving permission to people to be like, make your own call. Yes, like, yes. And this yes. might be how you like it. Yeah. You know, you might yeah. find out how you like it. You might you might like it with the extra cloves. Like, you know, yes. I really like that about it. It felt really unusual. Like I just didn't, I don't know if I'd seen a note like that okay. before and okay. I really liked it. okay. It was just to get around this this, this thing of um, yeah, of and that's that's related to the oral tradition as well, right? Because that would just be it might not necessarily be a problem in Jamaica, so people wouldn't do it. Yes, or yes. you know, yeah. or you might know to do that if you've watched people cooking the recipe before. Yes, so it's a way of kind of giving people that information in like a non-prescriptive way. Yes, I guess. Yeah, totally. And, and also, I think whenever people, you know, um, if they if they cook if they're cooking a sort of a, a, a nation's dish for the first a, a nation's food for the first time, they might not feel that confident because if, if elements of it are unfamiliar. But then, you know, trying to, I guess, guide people to to you know how ingredients should taste and and yeah, like use use more of your senses to kind of to to get to understand it and, and to make a judgment call yourself. Like when you came to be writing down these recipes that have you know a lot of personal significance for you did the format of a written recipe feel adequate for translating kind of what you wanted to say about that recipe um like I think it's I think this is why I went into feature writing rather than news because like brevity has never been my strong point and I think almost I want to be like oh but you know if it's like this then it's like that and, and I think I don't know, maybe like it would have been quite nice to do it as an audio book or something where I can be like, but, you know, there's, there's sort of so many... Oh, that'd be so nice. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just like being able to... Um, yeah, like, I, I think it's... Uh, I, th I think there are a lot of reasons um, why sort of maybe that there have been fewer books written about Jamaican food. I mean, mainly it's because the gatekeepers haven't permitted it, but then also I think... And that is actually the, the, the biggest reason. I also think there, there is a bit of a thing from within within communities. There's, there's like a kind of understandable like, protectiveness yeah. about it. And um, and I think actually for a lot of the people who are doing cookbooks for the first, not for the first time, who are doing cookbooks. I mean, there's, um, do you know um, Maria um, Maria Bradford? No. Shwen um, uh, Shwen? Oh, no, I don't know her. So, oh, God. So I spoke to her for something. And she's, so she's doing a cookbook about... Um, She's doing a Sierra Leonean cookbook that's coming out next year. And I'm so excited for it. Like, we're talking about the responsibility that comes with it because it's one cookbook. I mean, this is the thing. In my book, it's one cookbook for um, a, a cuisine that is, that is, like, huge with so many different influences. When there are 20, it doesn't matter. But when there are fewer, it does matter. And I don't think there's been... So Maria was saying that she doesn't think there's, any, there's been any um, uh, Sierra Leonean cookbooks published in, in the UK. Wow, OK. And so, like, the pressure for that. But yeah. also, she's so kind of... Like, she's so, she's so brilliant. She was like, you know, and, and she was like, you know, I, I will, like, fucking buy, a, like, a book about, like, Italian food and I will fucking go out of my way. You know, she was like, it's about time that you fucking did it with our, with our food as well. Yeah. Go and find cassava leaf. Go and find potato leaf. Like, speak to people. Find out, like, you know, like, explore. Go and fucking get it. Because, like, people, you know, you can have bataga in a fucking recipe. No one, like, like, you know, things are, what's the word? That's an eye? That's an eye. Yeah, 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 that's it. Thanks. <laughs> Um, but then you have, yeah, like kind of cassava leaf and stuff like that. Like, and people are just like, oh, but I can't, you know, like, what, what can I use instead? Can I use spinach? It's like, oh. and I think as, as people who enjoy food, 
there, there's like an assumption that they are going to be kind of inquisitive and like all yeah all of the things that I think that make people interested in food. So actually, go and be inquisitive and go and you know it's not just about reading a book, but it's about going and actually immersing yourself in that culture, going to going to the shops and um, and just familiarising it. And people like I think like the thing about one thing I can can say about food is and food people is that they love sharing. Um, and, and, you know, talking to people about stuff and it's just like, it's just, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's quite exciting. And so in the book there, I mean, you've mentioned Maureen already, but um, kind of there's a lot of recipes in the book that haven't just come from your family. They've come from sort of like chosen family as yes, well. So yes. I did, could you talk a bit about the recipes you've included in the book? Um, from different people that you've learned over the years? So, yeah, so it's like a combination. Well, and some things are like... So I moved to London for uni at 20, and so that kind of... Because I guess everyone's got their repertoire, right? So we'd have our, we'd have our thing. And, and then, what was your repertoire? Well, I, it was like um, curry goat, curry chicken, um, oxtail, um, like patties. I mean, because if, like if you go to like a sort of any kind of um, like celebration or like funeral or something, like there's always going to be the same thing. Your fried fish, fried chicken... Uh, oh, ackee and salt fish, obviously, yeah. like all, all, all different dumplings. And then, you know, you kind of add to it as you go, as like, you know, we're coming to London and eating at sort of like, well, invariably takeaways. You yeah. Know, uh, because there aren't kind of loads of Caribbean restaurants, yeah, yeah, yeah. restaurants. Yeah, and then your repertoire kind of um, sort of widens further. But then also, I think, um, I, like a quasi uh, Brenya Menso, I, I, yeah. I did a talk with him in, in, in Belfast. And he was saying that when you're when you're cooking cuisine outside of the cu its country of origin, you're only ever doing a version of it. And I thought that was really I thought that was really interesting um, way to yeah to view it because it's 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 kind of true, right? And it's like and, and I mean going back to the whole ingredients as well and being true to ingredients. I think it, like as much as I think it's important that I think like say with, with like talking about Sierra Leonean cuisine, mm. there are certain dishes that can only be made with cassava leaf, right? You can't, there, yeah. is, there is no substitution. You're not going to get the flavour for that. But then there are other things where, you know, I, I don't want people, especially if people can't afford it, like I don't want money to be something that's going to, so if something, yeah, you know, yeah. if something can be bought cheap or, or like rather than someone having to go out and buy ingredients that they might not use all the time, like, is there anything? There are some things that you have to. Like, you, you can only make this if you if you use this. But then having that kind of flexibility, <coughs> the the, the um, Scotch bonnet's gone in, so it's gonna. It's gonna <laughs> Scotch bonnet fumes. It's probably gonna get me in a minute. <laughs> for me, the whole idea of like decolonizing, um, like food writing and stuff is is moving away from this kind of like francophone kind of like yeah. you know thing. Like on the, on on my um, on the cookbook shoot, I was with um, with Melek. Mm. And um, and so so it was like Benjamin Abui was doing the um, was the like home economist and Melek was um, her assistant. Oh really? And, um, On yeah, your it, shoot? It was amazing. Oh my god, like, that's fantastic! It was so good because like because Melek because obviously Patsy was taking the pictures and yeah. then like Matsy. Uh, that's um, um, Patricia Niven. Yes, yeah. yeah, and so kind of and um, and I, I really like I really wanted to, like because like I think P Patricia Patsy. Benji and um, Jen Kay, who did the props, like their aesthetic is so, like, so like, their sort of separate aesthetics are so complementary, yet they'd never worked together. And so then they kind of, yeah, it all came together and it was just, it was such a dream. But then Melek and I were talking about um, just like the language and like kind of like, you know, we're not, we're not julienning our vegetables, we are cutting them into matchsticks and it's this, um, and, and, 
Like, I read this thing, I don't think, I think it was true, about this person, it's like the language, and how language can be a massive barrier when you're talking about food, because you don't get it. And, and there was this thing about um, uh, toss, like, toss a salad, so someone literally tossed the salad, like, because they just didn't, I mean, like, it's true, like, what does, the, what does that mean, to toss a, you know, to toss a salad? Or... Yeah. And as a restaurant writer, it's so easy to, um, to, to use this, like, to repeat this language, especially because yeah. when you get to understand it, but, you know, I still don't know what broil means. I know that's an American term, but I don't know what it means. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about julienne as, a, like, a bastion of French cooking. Yeah. But, yeah, Like, absolutely. to sauté all of it, like, all of it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really, it's really interesting to talk about, like, decolonising work in that context, because I think sometimes people kind of hear the word and they assume it's going to be this huge, like, dramatic process of reckoning. Yes. And it's like, yeah, it should be that as well. But also, like, a lot of it does come down to these very simple, things that might not seem that big on the surface of it but actually so go so deep we don't even realize yes. so yeah like the language is... yes I, I mean to be honest i don't often because it's like a word that i hear kind of so much these days and i try yeah. not to use it too much yeah. myself because I, I think it can almost like i'd rather talk about it as like what it is rather than naming it you yeah, know like I talk about that. it like it, almost in practical terms i know obviously i've, I've said it sort of now but, no but it, yeah in the I mean. context of no i think i think that makes sense I'm using bottled um, uh, lemon juice only, oh. only for, for, for speed. That's, yeah, great. But it, but so it is what's in here? Oh, so this is, this is actually, because so, um, you were saying about Helen um, Graves. Yeah. Um, so I cooked from her book over the weekend. Oh, it's great. So it's it? so good. It's so good. Well, it's from hers and Genevieve Taylor's. Oh, yeah, um, I saw you posted those. Which is another barbecue book. Yes, yes, it is. And so, and so this is her uh, uh, charred spring onion um, oh, uh, salsa. So I'm just going to pour this over the salad. Delicious. Yes, this isn't from the book, this is just like made up basically. So we've got diced bread onion, diced cucumber, is that some parsley? Yep. Then you've got the, yeah, the, char the, the charred corn, corn that you've charred and yes. then like cut off the cob. And this charred spring onion salsa. Oh, thank Angel you so much. I'll tell you what, I'll do this and then, I'll, and then I'm going to attempt those um, pina coladas. It would have been nice if I did it at the same time, actually. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Honestly, like, I just, I, I, I can't express enough my gratitude for you cooking in this weather, so. <laughs> oh, God. I love, I love, I love it. And, I, and, and now that I've got a bit of time to, like, think, I'm, I'm really relishing. Um... Yeah, because cooking must have just felt like worked for yes. so long. Well, it was worked for so yeah, long. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, and I just didn't cook, I, I didn't right, cook, really. Yeah. Um, and so I've just got back into it. I think whenever um, you know people talk about like cooking for cooking for joy and stuff, and and if you don't, if you're not happy, then like it sort of translates into the food. And I, <laughs> I really believe in that. And yeah. when I um, after I had my daughter, I, I, well, in fact, when I was pregnant with her, I stopped doing my pop up, and I didn't really right. cook for a long time because I I just didn't really have I didn't have I, I was just I, I just wasn't really feeling anything. And um, right. And so then, like, it was actually during lockdown that I started cooking again, so it was really nice to initiate. Yeah. Does Kate cook? Uh, yeah, she does, but she um, always says that she doesn't any get a chance anymore. But that's <laughs> absolute bollocks, because yeah. she, like, she's really busy, so she gets home quite late. We, I think we both moan about stuff, but then actually wouldn't really want it to be that any different. Any other way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely classic. I think that's, that's a sign that it's a good balance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can both have a moan, but ultimately... Do you cook a lot? Yeah, I, I'm the cook in my household. Um, Rory, my husband, is... Um, and this is this has been a sort of bone of contention over the years, that um, I'm a real backseat cook. <laughs> <laughs> so he really understandably does not like that. <laughs> so we've kind of got to the point where, like, 
he will cook, but I'm not allowed to come and quote unquote help. <laughs> uh, I just I just have to stay away and then do the clearing up. Why? Because you're literally saying stuff to him. Because um, I'll just be like, have you thought about maybe like adding a drop of water while you're cooking those? <laughs> or like, it might just be better if you. <laughs> He's like, no, get out. And that means that like sometimes he makes something and I would have cooked it differently, and I just have to, I just have to shut the fuck up. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Not. Also, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. No, it's not. Not everything has to be perfect. Also, my cooking isn't perfect. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I do really, I do really enjoy cooking. When um, Kate made when, when we were first dating, actually, and uh, oh. she made this, um, she made this teriyaki salmon, and and uh, so she still talks about this about my reaction to it. I was oh, like, oh, God. did this come from a packet? And I meant that, and the cooks, it was so good. Yeah, like, it was really good. But she, I think she, that's <laughs> a compliment. <laughs> she, um, she's never like let me live that down. Oh God, yeah, no, I can see how that's very, very well meant because it's like saying, you know, this is like, is it a good packet? It's you know. like you can never beat. Uh, for me, you can never beat Heinz ketchup. So yes. if, if someone made homemade ketchup and it tasted like Heinz, I'd be like, oh my God, it tastes like Heinz. <laughs> Is that right then? So you're like a Heinz for ketchup? Yeah, I'm a Heinz for okay. ketchup. Yeah, that's my favourite. I, I accept no substitutes. But Hellman's <laughs> mayonnaise. Oh, really? Or KP. Yeah, depending on what it's for. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm, um, because I, uh, like, ketchup, I can be a bit more, I, I, like, I think I used to be quite, like, sort of um, strict about it. But then there are a few others that I accept, like I quite okay. like a, a tip tree ketchup. And, oh, interesting. Um, oh, I have, that one is good, actually. I have tried that. I've never yeah. used it at home, but yeah, I have had that in like a fancy cafe. And okay, it's nice. nice. Yeah. Are you a ketchup or brown sauce household? It, it depends. Oh, okay. um, as in a household, it would definitely be ketchup. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I like, I like brown sauce. But then I like, like, Ada's a bit kind of obsessed with, with ketchup. Okay. Although yeah. she has, she's so fickle. She is kind of, get, like, there was a time where, I know, she couldn't get enough. And now she, um, yeah, now she likes... I don't know, she's sort of a bit less. I'm like, do you want some ketchup? And she's like, eh. Oh, okay. Like, What's wrong with you? Do you want any, do you want any rum in this? Um, yeah, why not? Yeah? Amazing. <laughs> That's all right. Why not? It's, it's, it's after 12. Exactly. Yeah. It's practically evening. It's practically, yeah. Got to take all the, all the help we can get in this weather as well. Yes. Oh, my God, amazing. Uh, so I just don't... pineapple blended with coconut milk and then yes. some ice. It's so good. I don't have any decoration, unfortunately. <laughs> I think I'll live. <laughs> right, so Bammy, and then I think we're done, aren't we? Yeah. So you've just fried that. Yeah, so so it's I soak it in coconut milk, and then um, and then I fry it. Yeah, just fry it off. I love Bammy. I love it so much. Like going to see the Bammy place. Mm. It was. Um, that must it have was, been so cool. It was, oh, it was the dream. So you've got uh, red onion, cucumber, the charred corn, a bit of red pepper, and then and parsley, and then the charred um, spring onion salsa from the weekend from Helen's book. Uh, and remind me what's on these prawns. Um, so they're pepper prawns, so it's, um, it's like uh, anatto, uh, a scotch bonnet, um, onion, garlic, um, and a bit, of, um, a bit of pimento. Recipe in motherland. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
I just said explicitly what a force for change Melissa has been and continues to be in food. As I made the point early on in our conversation, she tirelessly uplifts other people within the industry. As her platform grows, she only seems to do this with more enthusiasm. She's uncompromising, but she's also somehow enduringly positive and optimistic in her approach. I can't wait to see what she does in the future. This was the third episode in this month's micro-series about personal food writing. You can listen to the other episodes, one with Rebecca May Johnson and Angela Hoy, and one with Thea Lenarduzzi, on the podcast feed now. And there's a fourth bonus Patreon episode to come, which is specifically about recipes in personal writing. Melissa and I talked a bit about this in this episode, so there's more from her and there's more from everyone else who's been in the series so far. Lacquer is listener funded, so Patreon subscriptions are really important. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash Lacquer podcast. Music is by Blue Dot Sessions, and you haven't got long to wait until the next Lacquer episode. There's a trailer coming later this week for the new series that's launching very, very soon. (laughs) Make sure you're subscribed for that and... I will be back in your feed very soon.